0: Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, intelligent, gorgeous... Very hard working, once upon a studio, loving wife and co host Michelle. Thank you, sweetie. I appreciate all that. And hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode. Well, we're recording it on multiple dates. As this portion, we are recording on Friday, December 8th, 2023. The bulk of it, however, was recorded a couple of days ago, a couple very exciting days ago, mm-hmm. on. Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. And if that's not confusing enough, it's actually dropping this episode <laughs> on Sunday, December 10th, 2023. It's been a whirlwind for you days for us, right, Michelle? Yes,
1: it been amazing, but yes, a whirlwind. And um, yeah, we're... Plus, we have weekend plans, so that's kind of uh, also impacting when we're recording as well. So. Right, exactly.
0: And this also will allow us to get this episode out because this is one we think you're going to really want to hear. Hopefully, you'll want to hear all our episodes, but <laughs> this one especially, I think you're going to want to listen to. So, um, they'll allow us to get it out there to you that much earlier in the day on Sunday and onward through the week. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you'll find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter. X. At Hyperion Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, HyperionAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we love interacting with you in any of those ways. So whichever way works best for you, please connect with us because we love it. For sure. It doesn't matter for what reason. We just want to be able to have a dialogue with you all out there. We really appreciate you very much. Now, before we get into this week's show, trust me, we're not going to take a lot of time before we get into this week's show, but you know we do this every single week. We are the Disney podcast of positivity, so we like to focus on those positive moments, those wonderful moments, those fun moments, the favorite moments from the week that was We call it my favorite thing from this week. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's wonderful, fantastic, (laughs) all things great. Uh. You know, she does the best research. She definitely has the best lists. Oh, yeah, she has the very best tips. She also has the best, my favorite thing from this week. So Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week? I think I can guess. I think you can guess as well.
1: Hands down, nothing came even close to it. I have a feeling it's also going to be your favorite thing of the week, but that was to have the opportunity to do the interview that we were able to record on Wednesday. And one of the things I have to say, I was nervous as could be going into that, but Our guests were so kind and so easy to talk to that uh, they took those butterflies away pretty
0: quickly. Yeah, you're going to hear it all here momentarily. My favorite thing from this week, obviously, is the same thing um, because uh, those guys are great. You're about to hear it. We won't keep you from it for too much longer here, but um, what a special, special thing to have them come on our show and to talk and just be such wonderful genuine guys so we'll get to that in just a moment now we do have a lot of stuff for you this week including we learned about the fantastic late night ticketed events that are coming in 2024 to the happiest place on earth we'll tell you about that speaking of disneyland we also learned when many of their seasonal events will be happening in 2024 And if you've dreamed of living at Disney, we have some more good news for you. That's because we learned where the next planned Disney community will be building somewhat soon. Mm -hmm. We'll tell you where that could be as well. That's later. We're not going to hold it back any longer. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and get to our very creative, dynamic, wonderful, amazing, Once Upon a Studio main topic of the week. it must have been pretty much just about three months ago mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to be at destination d23 and while we were there we saw and witnessed a lot of fantastic things lots of park For announcements sure. different stuff from different things that are coming uh, to the walt disney company but the one thing that I think you agree, stopped us in our tracks happened on Sunday morning when our guests today came out and presented this wonderful little short that we knew nothing about but were absolutely blown away by.
1: Oh yeah, uh, that's an understatement. I think I remember um we did a, a short clip that night uh, for the podcast, and i I think I remember saying it was the best piece of work I've ever seen on a screen in my life.
0: Yeah, we had to stop that. Like, <laughs> we told everybody, like, wait, you know, we're going to have to check what we would normally talk about on this show, recapping the day's activities, because we need to focus about half of it just on this short alone. And with that's without telling anybody about it. But now right. it's been out for a couple months. We can talk all about it. And boy, are we lucky today to welcome aboard the co-creators, the co-directors of... Once Upon a Studio, Dan Abraham and Trent Corey. Guys, welcome to the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Hey,
2: Tom and Michelle, good to be here.
3: Thank you so much. My gosh, that lead in was, uh, wow, amazing.
2: I know, you you were so nice, Tom. And then Michelle, you were like, and he's understating. I'm like, what? There's there's more? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. That was so nice.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm in a pinch me moment right now, being able to see you all and talk to you. This is just a dream come true for us. Yes, absolutely. Uh Thank
0: you so much for joining us on the show. So uh, if you don't know who Dan and Trent are, they've been working for the Disney animation uh, department for a long time. They've done a lot of work. They've worked on a lot of the movies you love. Uh, Dan's worked on Encanto, Wish, which just came out not that long ago. He's worked on the Tinkerbell movies. Trent's worked on Moana, Raya and the Last Dragon, Zootopia, Big Hero 6. Trent, you've worked on Frozen and Frozen 2. We may, if this is another interview, we may just sit here and talk to you about that because hashtag real men love Frozen on this show. But we're here to talk about some of the other stuff that you did. And most importantly, this wonderful beautiful piece of art once upon a studio right michelle exactly yeah so let's get to it um guys let's start off with kind of how you got into this whole thing what drew you to working in animation and eventually how did you both end up with the the walt disney company
3: uh okay um i uh have no other skills in life (laughs) beyond sort of being able to draw and so since i was little Uh, the goal was always to work at Disney animation. Um, it, it, you know, back in the day, uh, there weren't a lot of animated movies out there, uh, from other studios. Disney was sort of the top dog. Um, and so when I was little and I would go to the theater with my mom and we saw, you know, Lady and the Tramp, a reissue of Lady and the Tramp or the Aristocats or Fox and the Hound, those, those movies, like they affected me, you know, um, animation and cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons, all that stuff. Disney animated movies were on a whole other level with their sort of sophistication and grace of of beauty of animation and, and color and music. And, and they became part of my DNA. And I just, I, I had to work for Disney someday. And, and so I'm still, I've been here almost 20 years now and I'm, I still pinch myself every day that I, I get to be here and work with these people that are just so wildly uh, talented and inspiring and and uh, yeah, what what an absolute thrill! But after high school, I went to um, Sheridan College for animation, like always with those the sights set on on Disney. And uh, it took me a while, but I did finally get here, and um, I it's 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 a dream come true. What can I tell you? Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. Yeah. Dan's not lying. He's got fresh pixie dust on his shoulders every morning he walks in. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> brush it up. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I, I grew up in Ottawa, Canada. And I, when I was younger, animation wasn't really on my radar as, as much as, as Dan was saying, but I loved film and I, I loved movies. And I grew up during the 90s, the Renaissance, the great Disney films, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, so I loved animation. But in high school, I got into this film course. Um, there was just one passionate teacher named Mr. Laduke. Shout out to him. Uh, we're good buddies still. And he taught a film class, and I and I loved just going around with the camera and making movies. And it kind of got me through high school. It gave me something really passionate to um, sink my teeth into. And my mom's an artist, so she always encouraged me to draw. And then finally, you know, right at grade twelve, when I had really no idea what I was going to do, my film teacher connected, "Hey, live action with you like to draw." and and introduced the idea of animation to me so i went to algonquin college in canada for a couple of years uh started working in tv and commercials and very quickly same as dan just like disney was my north star in college i was like i want to work for disney no other company i just i wanted to work for disney for whatever reason uh, because growing up with the movies and and it being such a magical thing and, um, in, and, you know, I applied for years, uh, three times a year, every, every four months, I'd submit online, never heard back for about three or four years, and then finally got feedback on one of my submissions. Uh, and then the next time I got accepted into a training program, year five of applying, and, um, and the, Disney has this great training program where they fly you down here. Um, it, it was called the Talent Development Program at the time, and now the Apprentice Program. And they've, they fly you down here for and move you for six months and you train and you work under a Disney veteran. So I had a mentor named Amy Smead, who's been here uh, 20 plus years, and they just teach you the Disney way for six months. So I came down to do that with kind of no promise of it extending. And at the end of the six months, Frozen was just starting. And, you know, nobody knew inside the studio what we had with that film. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll work on this Frozen movie. And, and, and the <laughs> first character I animated was Olaf. And uh, the first movie I worked on was Frozen. I just like, feel so lucky that the time in that training program aligned with, um, with the movie Frozen.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So yes. you, you mentioned Olaf there. So we need to talk about a little bit about before we get into Once Upon a Studio, we will definitely get into that a lot. Um, but before that, we need to talk a little bit about something else you two worked on together. That's the short Once Upon a Snowman featuring Olaf. If you haven't seen it yet on Disney Plus, check it out. It's a great little story takes place kind of in the middle of the original Frozen movie. Uh, how did it come about that you guys got involved with that film?
2: Yeah, well, I can say, Dan, are you cool if I segue into that? Go for it. From Frozen? Yeah, because it all, uh, uh, I'm right with you, Tom. Real men love Frozen. I'll, <laughs> I'll hop on that hashtag wagon. Um, so its I, I bring this up because I, I, when I was in the training program and started on Frozen, I was actually, I started in the crowds department. That's thats the typical way you move into the animation department. So I was a CG animator and you animate background characters in the movie. So I started working on Frozen animating the people of Arendelle in the background, people waving and and walking and all that sort of thing. And um, and during that time, those three months of crowds animation, the team was working on Let It Go. And I could see scenes popping up on our computers and go to dailies and watch scenes. And uh, and it's a beautiful song. And and there's a scene where Elsa walks and she creates Olaf in the song. Mm -hmm. And then she just keeps walking and singing. And. I was watching this at my desk thinking this is you know, over 10 years ago now and thinking, wow, like the internet, they're going to go wild. She created life and then she just kept walking and we don't <laughs> see Olaf for another 20 minutes. So 10 years ago, this is in 2011, I was sitting at my desk drawing an Olaf origin story of Olaf coming to life in that moment and meeting up with Kristoff, Anna and Sven later on and getting his carrot nose. So uh, when, when I brought, the, now years later, um, you know, I think in 2000, was it 2020, Dan, or 19? 19, that... 19. 19. Uh, um, so, 2019, Disney Plus was just um, getting started. Uh, and and Jen Lee, our chief creative officer here, um, had said to the studio, like, we're going to start working on content. And I'd been sitting on this Olaf short for years. And I'd done little beat boards. I had written a little script. And I just had this idea that I'm like, well, maybe one day somewhere in the studio, there will be a place to pitch this. And Jen said, we're, we're taking ideas. If anyone has ideas, let me know. And um, I stopped Jen in the hallway one day and said, hey, I have this idea for Olaf, uh, a little Olaf origin story. And at the time I was working on Frozen 2 as the Olaf supervisor. So I was really connected with the character. And uh, she said, OK, let me let me hear the pitch. And I pitched it to her. And uh, and then Dan, I want to hear it from your side here, because Jen, she liked the pitch and she said, let me think about it. And uh, and then it goes to Dan.
3: Well, I I was also working on Frozen 2 at the time. Um, I storyboarded the Olaf song and I was working on Gale, the character of Gale, the wind spirit. And Trent was also working on Gale. And so that's where we sort of met was on Frozen 2 because I was storyboarding and he was animating the same characters. And so we would kind of what are you, you know, how are you approaching this? What are you looking at? All that kind of thing. So we met there, but then one day I got a call to Jen's office and and she said, hey, uh, Trent Corey pitched this really wonderful Olaf idea. And um, Trent has risen up the ranks in, through the animation department, but he hasn't really tackled story full on before and we would love to know if you'd be interested in helping him story-wise like you know help co-direct this thing with with Trent and I said oh that guy yeah sure you know (laughs) and uh and uh so the two of us it was it was amazing because Trent had all these little sketches and things in a little book about what this could be and he was just so open to he's like take this he pitched me what he had and he's like take this take a week or whatever you want to do and just like rework it and 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 see if there's things you want to add to it or throw out or if they're just we want to make this thing stronger well he was just so open to any uh ideas and so yeah i took i took a bit of time and i reworked some things and i threw, threw in a lot of what if this and what if that and and uh he was so receptive and 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 felt that it had strengthened what you know good idea he already had and so then we would go and then he would say, oh, if we do that, then, you know, we could do this thing. And I was like, yeah, and then this. So it, it really became such a fun project because with his animation brain and my story brain, we wanted the same things, but we came at them from different angles. And uh, we had a ball working on that. And it was uh, so much fun. We, we just had a great time.
2: And, and like Dan said, it was kind of like instant getting in the story room. When he came back and pitched the ideas, we realized like, oh, yeah, we're, we're both after the same, we have the same sensibilities, same same kind of like tone and humor and all that sort of stuff. But like Dan mentioned, we come at it from two totally different departments. And mm-hmm. and uh, it was just I, I feel like it, it worked right away. It was a, it was a, the it was a perfect marriage right away that we just had this fun back and forth uh, and, and play.
0: Well, I think it, you'd agree with me, Michelle. It really worked. Like the fun, you can see the fun they had in it because oh, it comes yes. out in that short,
1: right? Oh, definitely. And it's it's the storytelling in there is just so rich because, like you said, you're filling in some gaps here too, but you're also, um, you know, giving uh, nods to the original storyline as well. It was such a creative way to bring that story together.
2: Oh, Thanks. thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we did have our discussions in there, right, Dan? I, I went into it pitching, um, if you've seen the short, he has a sausage nose in the short. That's his, <laughs> the uh, but I was pretty adamant, hey, Dan, about having a, uh, uh, I, the original concept. He had a dead fish on a, as a nose. He had a, he had a fish. And, uh, and I was, I you know, in my pitch to Jen, it was my cover image. I was very confident about having this little fish. Uh, Be his nose, and Dan came in, and that was the first thing he jumped on. Well,
3: I said, you know, it, it, Trent had done this like run cycle of Olaf with the fish flopping around (laughs) on his face, and it was uh, disturbing. I think it was, (laughs) to say it was disturbing. But, but I said, you know, the fact that Olaf is going to be chased by wolves, they're, you know, they're chasing him to get that fish. And I said, if you, the story math there, is if Olaf were being chased by cats, it's like you associate cats with wanting food or wanting fish. And I said, since it's wolves, to me, it, uh, meat like a, a and I th- and I thought of the summer sausage. Yes. Um, and so it, 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 to me, that that story math just adds up better. Uh, and, and so I mean, you just have these discussions back and forth and eventually Trent came around and, and, uh, it was, uh, it took some
2: time, but eventually the summer sausage became kind of like a theme uh, for us when we would show the short in different cuts to Jennifer Lee. We'd lay out a platter of summer sausage and, and crackers. And, uh, and even, Dan, our finaling, when we final shots in dailies, we had a little squeaky sausage, uh, which meant <laughs> your, your shot got finaled. So it, it eventually yeah. became the theme of the short. Yeah.
0: It's great because it's like, it, it just feels like a dad joke, almost like, what kind of sausage would Olaf like? Of course, summer sausage, you know, just, <laughs> right? is great. great. That short, that yeah. short is brilliant. Yeah. So good. So, um, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for putting it together. So you got done with that and you kind of separated and went off and to do other projects. I know, uh, Trent, you worked on the Zootopia Plus series, which was great. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you were working on Baymax, exclamation point. <laughs> you directed right. one of the episodes there. Another great series. But it seems like the, the, there was something else in the background. You guys were percolating right about that time. Might have something we're talking about right now.
3: Well, we we were having separation anxiety. Like we, <laughs> we had such a good time on Once Upon a Snowman. And then when we went our separate ways and we were working on other stuff and we're like huh how do we what do we this what, how do we how do we work together again like how do we you know because we're in you know now we're directing two different things and um and so we thought well why let's let's think of a pitch let's think of something that we could do together again and, you know, we realized this was a couple years ago. Now, we realized that the 100th anniversary of Disney animation was coming up in a couple years. And we were both so, you know, beside ourselves um, that we were going to be working at the studio at that time. And how cool is that? Like during that during that anniversary and that milestone and we thought, well, why don't we put together something that celebrates that um, Disney? We were the studio was already working on Wish. And that was sort of going to celebrate sort of the overall themes of our films and, 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 you know, moving forward and things. And, but it was going to be all original characters. And, and so we thought, well, why don't we do something that really pays tribute to the characters, the legacy of the studio, all of the artists that have, you know, and so when we started talking like that, it's like, wow, that's a, that's a big thing to take on in a short, but, uh, Trent and I worked for about eight months in private at night and on weekends. We were all we were being very, very secret and wasn't telling anybody what we were doing. Um, but we just kept spitballing back and forth again. Um,
2: it, it, and, it was such a, and it was such a fun time, too, because, it, well, also, it was, it was the height of COVID. This is January 2021, right, Dan, that we started? I, I'm always lousy on the math here.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's I, think about it's, Jan- I
2: think it's January twenty twenty one. So we're we're kind of mid COVID. And um, like Dan mentioned, we didn't we didn't set out of the gate to make a hundred year short. We got together just in um, you know, over Zoom or in a backyard saying, like, hey, what like what are your inspirations, sharing our stories, sharing what we what type of stuff we want to do. And that's when it dawned on us that that in two years the the hundred year was gonna be coming up. But We would even go to um, we'd go to Taco Bell in separate cars because we couldn't see each other. And we'd we'd like go through the drive through in our separate cars and then park beside each other and like roll down our windows and start dreaming up this short when we landed on that. We want to do a hundred year thing. We just go to Taco Bell and start. Uh, start doing our story jams in the
3: parking lot (laughs) we would yeah we'd be having our dinner like and it's like we had zoomed and stuff but we missed each other and so we wanted to like even though during COVID you couldn't get together so we still stayed six feet apart but we had our tacos and we talked about what this thing could eventually become
2: and we're still waiting for that taco bell sponsor but uh, (laughs) uh, taco bell for life shout out if you're listening right now Um, that's right um, definitely But yeah, we so like Dan said, nights, weekends. We were still finishing Zootopia Plus and Baymax at the time. Uh, like Dan said, it's kind of reaching trying to trying to work with each other again. And so it was like Sunday nights or, or lunches, but Dan would text stuff and then that would excite me and I'd throw back an idea and we'd go back and forth until finally we had something presentable to pitch. We had uh, beatboards. Dan had done a lot of beatboards and we had reference images and kind of like this idea to celebrate the hundred year and and in that pitch um to Jennifer Lee was also um that we want to bring back original voice actors and that we want to do hand-drawn animation on paper. And that we want to bring animators out of retirement. That was all in the original pitch. So we kind of packaged this thing up together and then, and got it on zoom and Dan started pitching.
3: It was, it was fun run, reaching out to Jen and, and, uh, and saying, Hey, we have something we want to pitch you. And she was like, Huh? You have something? What do you? Oh, okay. And so, like, they set up a time. She had no idea, like, that we, nobody knew that we were working on anything this whole time, obviously. And, and nobody was asking for an anniversary short on any level. So, the whole eight months that we were doing this and fantasizing about all these things that we wanted to do, in the back of our minds, we were like, this is going to be a colossal waste of time. Like, this is as, as much fun as this is. And we're, directing together even though no one <laughs> is asking us to um uh we, we we forced this relationship on the studio exactly <laughs> so so we uh well jen jen set us up initially that's her part yeah but part. uh it just worked so well that we wanted to keep going so uh yeah i i pitched through all the storyboards and and uh i had to sing to her at the end and uh uh just i just had to put yourself in a place of don't think about what you're doing. uh, You know, singing to the chief creative officer of Walt Disney feature animation. Um, But when it was over, you know, it it was the ultimate. Well, we have talked about this so many times to each other about how we will never forget when, you know, she said, I don't know how, but we have to figure out how to make this. Mm -hmm. Um, And we knew we were, you know, uh, shooting for the stars because like, like Trent said, hand-drawn animation on paper, CG animation with live-action plates. We were asking for hundreds and hundreds of characters and you know how to juggle all of those pipelines and, and to bring back countless voice talents and all of those things. And everything that we pitched to Jennifer Lee, she was like, yep, let's do that. Yep, yep, let's do that. Like 99.9% of it every fantasy we had during those eight months i would say came true and then some like there were fantasies that we didn't know we could have that (laughs) were came to the forefront it was was, it's been amazing
2: well and and by the way too before she said that wonderful line of i don't know how but we need to make this uh dan finished the pitch cut to black and um and she just got up it was on zoom she got up and left screen with no explanation (laughs) and it felt like it was probably only a few seconds, but it felt like forever. And Dan and I were like, oh,
3: we're, we're looking at each other like, oh, my God, what happened? Where did she go? What
2: <laughs> and then she came back in and she had a Kleenex and her glasses were on her head and she was wiping away tears. And, and she said, I don't know how, but we we need to make this. We have to make this happen.
3: Oh, uh, it was we couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Don't
0: That's amazing. Definitely celebrate that. That's amazing. I mean, it was it's it's so brilliant. And I, I can just imagine what that pitch was like and the nerves building up to it, especially, you know, like you said, that, that no one had really determined that this was how they're going to go. But you, you put this brilliant thing together, which I, I really and after seeing it, it's like it just shows you how much these two guys understand and love the Walt Disney Company from top to bottom because it's, it's everything. It's really fantastic, right, Michelle? Yeah,
1: definitely. You, um, and I know I've heard you say this, that you wrote what you thought you'd want to see. And, and so I think that essence came through for everybody who watched it because we are all fans, right? And so that we can appreciate your work because you wrote it that way. And so that's Girl. very cool.
3: Thank you. Yeah, if uh, that, that means a lot. Thank you. It it if there were anything, we I I think we both wish it could even be just a little bit longer, so that you could get more characters right. in there. And and you know, it it kills me to that there are still hundreds and hundreds of characters that we just you know we had to be able to make this thing. And so even though Trent and I kept constantly throwing in more and more and more, our producers were like, "You guys got to stop. You <laughs> have to stop. Like we're not gonna finish. We're not gonna get done." And uh, uh, it was so hard, though, because there's just so many great characters.
2: It turned into, you know, after that pitch, to your point, Michelle, it turned into like just this wonderful organic process of, of, of creating the biggest Disney puzzle ever. I mean, we had in our story room, like you mentioned, it was just really Dan and I in and there just coming up with jokes and gags and heart and charm and trying to find these character dynamics that would work together and doing sketches and him drawing over it and 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 just riffing off each other. And I think, to be honest, when we started this film, we thought, you know, everyone's going to have a lot to say about which characters are are in here and represented. And it turned out that for the most part, in fact, the entire time, it was really just Dan and I in the story room trying to figure out what works. And like you said, making the movie that we would want to see. And of course, the studio had story notes and pacing notes and, and, and Jen had some great notes, but in terms of what characters and how we use them, that was just up to us. And we just had a blast, like building this puzzle together.
3: It was pretty amazing uh, that, you know, when we did get the green light, we thought for sure, okay, here's where they come in. And they're like, well, you make sure that Cinderella's wearing this dress and you make sure that this character has a line and you make sure that da-da-da-da-da. And they didn't do that at all. And I was, both of us were like, wow, they're, they're letting us take the notes that they give us that best support the idea what we're trying to do. It was it was really amazing um, when when we did get the green light. Jen wanted me to pitch over Zoom again to the the short to the entire studio, and so uh, I sang to the whole studio, uh, <laughs> and and uh, uh, that would be somebody and recorded way, that. <laughs> It is I actually did. <laughs> I did. I'll I'll
2: I'll text I'll text you, Michelle. Um, <laughs> you know I'm what? not a and, singer. I am not a singer. And before that pitch, like minutes before the pitch it was over Zoom, and Dan's like, "Okay, so I'll pitch the short, and then I'll tr- I'll turn my camera off, and I'll sing." And I was like, "No, no, buddy, you keep your camera on. Let the people see. You know, it probably pitching
3: into about a thousand people here on Zoom." but i was i was like but won't it be distracting if they're if they seem in trends like no 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 it's going to add like a personal touch that they and i'm like okay so but after that after that initial pitch the reaction from the people in the studio was just amazing everyone was reaching out to us saying i got to be a part of this i these characters mean so much to me and like the love and pride of legacy and the artists that came before us and all of that was just like so overwhelming from everybody here in the building trent and i sent out an email to the studio and said hey send us your ideas send us gag ideas Who? what character mashups would you like to see um, um any or, or idea even,
2: or even what character you would love or grew up with like we wanted to kind yeah. of know what who people wanted to see and, and it was kind of a telling email too because we found out that everybody Has a character for a specific nostalgia uh, reason, and that it was so important for us to do our best to, um, you know, of course, indicate all the all the uh, features in Snow White, but shorts and other kind of side characters as well.
3: Yeah, and when we would have people that would come on to the show, we would always uh, say, "Okay, say your name, say the department that you're in, and who your favorite Disney character is," Mm -hmm. and. Boy, nine times out of ten, that who's your favorite Disney character led to a sometimes emotional story about going to the theater with grandma back when, you know, I was six years old or whatever it was and what the genie meant to him or or what um, Johnny Appleseed meant to her. So it just it was always so, so lovely to see how incredibly invested everyone was to, quote unquote, get it right in the end
2: that's and that's how it's a good time to mention too that's how we got our producers involved too so dan mentioned like obviously the complexities of all these characters and getting this up on screen and that's um when when dan pitched the short in december of 2021 in front of the studio unbeknownst to us uh uh, brad and yvette our two producers reached out to our studio leadership and said we have to work on this short so we got paired up with them pretty quickly and started trying to you know with with their huge experience and help figuring out how to actually uh, put this up on screen.
1: Neat. You know, you brought up the genie, and, and I know both of you have shared with people how important that character was to each of you, how personally invested, I guess, you were. And and I know you've done, you did a lot, like you listened through a lot of, of dialogue that wasn't used in the film, and you reached out to the family estate. Tell us a little bit about that, because... Obviously, the genie is a lo- beloved character, and there's sensitivity to that. So, how, how did you all approach that, and what did it feel like?
2: Well, I, you know, for starters, um, very early on, when we first started talking about this and the characters, uh, we both were like, "Well, the Olaf and and genie, Olaf and the genie have to share a scene together because we've we've heard, and the reason behind that is we've heard Josh Gad say." that not only did Robin Williams inspire him to go into entertainment and comedy and acting, uh, but that when he came in to do Olaf, that the genie was a big source of inspiration uh, for him creating that character. So we knew we wanted to pair those two together. And we also, you know, later on had access to Eric Goldberg, who was the original 2D supervisor of the genie and Hiram Osman, who's the original Olaf supervisor, who really Helped me out on the first Frozen and, and took me under his wings, so it was like we have all those elements there. We have to like create this scene together, and then and then Dan, uh, a lot of Robin Williams takes you listen
3: to, huh? Yeah, I listened to sixteen hours of of footage of them um, recording Robin for Aladdin back in the early nineties which was so much fun and, and every, you know, fascinating to watch. And every time he would say something that I knew they didn't use in Aladdin, because of my Disney nerd Rolodex in my head, I would write down the, the, the line and then the time code of where it is on the tape and think, okay, well, if he would say that, then maybe Olaf could say this and they could have this back and forth and stuff. So it, uh, That's how it all. But yeah, the very first thing you do is reach out to the estate, make sure that they're on board. And when they saw what we were doing, they were so excited and they were like, yep, 100 percent, we got to do this. So it was great. It was so lovely. And showing Josh the storyboards here. Okay, here's here's Olaf with the genie. He was just so into it. Mm -hmm. He was so happy.
2: And what and what we found out then, you know, Josh came in to record and uh, and we chatted with him afterwards. And he said, you know, we knew that he looked up to Robin Williams and all this stuff, but then he started just telling us a story. He said when he lived in New York, um, and, and I think he was doing Book of Mormon at the time, uh, on Broadway and, and he lived downtown and, and he would come home from late shows and, and, uh, he lived in the same building as Rob Williams and, and Robin would come in late too after shows or something. And he said once in a while they, they'd connect in a mail room or hallway lobby. And, um, and he said that Robin, like, put his hand on his shoulder once and said, you know, we should work together someday. And they never got the chance to. So here we are now, Dan and I, are both in tears because we're like, there's an extra layer to the story of why this scene
3: exists. Wow.
0: All right, I wasn't prepared for that. I know. <laughs> Isn't that, oh, like, yeah.
3: Our, our, yeah, our chins were on the ground when he told us that. Like, it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, we had no idea that it was, you know, so cool.
0: Ah. Oh. That's amazing. What an amazing story. Yeah. What an amazing thread uh, to add to this brilliant short, right. for sure. To yes. know that when you see that scene, it's going to be even that much more impactful knowing that. I know. I know. <laughs> like, I don't cry enough when I watch yeah. this short <laughs> now. i add that much more into it.
2: I can add one more impactful moment on the short because this is one of my favorite stories yeah. of, of working on this short. Is um, at the start of the scene, you see a character fly by in the background, and that's that's uh, Robin from from Disney World, and and uh, and and it, it from uh, the short um, Back, Back to Neverland. Back to Neverland, thank oh. you. So that's that's kind of our only Disney parks little cameo of a character, and we have that in there because when Dan and I sent out that email to the studio and said we'd love to hear who you, who you want in here, one of our CG animators, Michael Woodside, sent in this this drawing and a lovely message saying that. You know, he grew up in Orlando in Florida as a kid, and he would go at the time the Florida animation studio was working on Mulan and Lilo and Stitch, and he would go, and there was the fishbowl, and he could watch the animators, and he'd be pressed up against the glass watching the animators. His mom would drop him off there, and, um, and that he watched this Back to Neverland uh, hundreds, hundreds of times every time he went there, and that this Robin character inspired him to be an animator. So he sent this letter in, and we're like, oh, let's get him in here since it's also Rob Williams. Uh, yeah, we voice.
3: Disney Animation animated him back in the day for that tour, so exactly. he's one of our characters. He's he's in our in our you know.
2: Yeah, he's in our in our our cast. So we so we put him in that scene, and then we had Michael Woodside from the CG department animate that character in 2D and work with the team. So so he he got to live that little moment again, that childhood uh, memory of how he got into animation. Wow. And he was saying
3: That's, that, boy, if you would tell 10 year old Michael that the next time this character was going to be animated, it was going to be animated by him for the 100th anniversary uh, short. And then he and then he gets all emotional. There's a lot of emotions going on with this short, right? I'm telling you. Oh.
2: Yeah.
0: And then and my- then he
2: also he also waited to show his family and his mom, who I know, like uh. knows how much he loves that character. He He didn't tell her he was doing that and showed her the short. Ah, uh, fresh, oh. and I was like, okay, that's why. That's why we do these things. That's it's worth these stories for sure.
0: Oh man, yeah. that is beautiful. What yes. a wonderful, wonderful story. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess since we're talking about emotions already, and they're already starting here, we might as well talk about that little pause in the middle, uh that really. I, I think we've watched that short over a dozen times, well, and every down. time, no. it, it just. It, and especially the first time we saw it, like I was emotional all the way through it, but when that happened. I was a puddle. It was over. It was over for me. Of course, we're talking about that little spot in it where Mickey just takes that pause and sees the picture of Walt. And I, I please, I, I want you guys to talk about this, but I need to mention that one of the things I really love about it, besides some of the things you've already discussed and we know about, is when Mickey approaches that that picture, that there's the reflection of Mickey in it. And I, I got to think that was intentional, as that Mickey was a reflection of Walt at some point within it. So, um, but please tell us about the process behind making that, because it was the perfectly timed little emotional nod to Walt Disney within this wonderful, amazing, fun short.
3: Well, you know that I, reflection. You know I, the reflection yeah. specifically was taken from the the Lillian Disney uh, quote, where she would say, "Mickey was Walt, and Walt was Mickey." And so we wanted to have them sort of on the same plane there like that. Go ahead, Trent.
2: Well, you know, I just want to set this up too, cause, cause I want to talk about Dan and, and, and say, say good things to him. Cause he, he, uh, this was, uh, Dan boarded that moment. We knew we wanted a Walt and Mickey moment. We talked about it a lot, but, uh, Dan kind of had like a vision for what that moment would be and just kind of like took it. And, and, um, we talked about it a lot beforehand of what it could be and, and how it could maybe overstay its welcome. and, and those are difficult moments in films, the emotional stuff. And, yeah. and Dan took it and wrote that little piece to it, and and uh, put it, was, it together. It was it was tricky
3: though, like it, you know, it's it's Walt, it's Mickey talking to Walt. And if you if you have him say too much, it can get really schmaltzy. And if if you don't give it enough, it can feel like not big enough of a moment. And so it's like it was. I'm like, man, this is gonna be a tricky one. This is gonna be a balancing act, but. But,
2: yeah. And then and then we, you know, we sent it to editorial and um, we knew we wanted feed the birds in it. We had talked about that a lot because, um, you know, as Richard Sherman says, that was Walt's one of Walt's favorite songs. And he would play it for him on Friday afternoons in his office. And we knew this rich history of that song and Walt. And we're sitting there in edit, uh, kind of like prepared with all the caveats and the music comes on that you hear the piano keys of Feed the Birds and it plays. And Dan and I looked at each other and we like, that works. Like it, it, it just, so yeah. I'm thrilled to Dan because it just like, he, I think he really just nailed it right away. And, and I got very emotional in that editorial session, watching him play.
3: It just, I thought we were going to, I said to Trent early on, I'm like, this is going to be the scene that we rework and rework and rework until the very end because to get it just right. And The first thing I wrote and then by having that feed the birds under there and everything, and we just kind of looked at each other and our eyes were glassy and we're like, oh, my gosh, with that music, like it just it just felt it felt right. Um, It in it and it got us. So we're like, well, if it got us, maybe it'll get other people, too.
0: (laughs) Boy, did it. Yeah. Holy cow. (laughs) Richard Sherman uh, coming back to play in Walt's office, right?
3: Well, that was that was crazy because when, you know, we had a temp track of Feed the Birds in editorial when we watched it. And then the head of our music department, we bumped into him in the hallways, Matt Walker. And he said, hey, uh, I heard you got Feed the Birds peppered in there. And we're like, yeah, yeah, it seems to really be working. And then he's like, well, why why don't we get Richard Sherman to play it for the short? And we're like, wait, what? And like Richard Sherman was 94 years old at the time. And and he goes, yeah. And why don't we record it on the piano that he used to play for Walt in Walt's office? And we're like, don't throw these ideas out there if they might not happen, because this is an outstanding idea that you're throwing at us. So on a Friday afternoon, I, I, you know, I I called up Trent and I said, Trent, tuck in your shirt wear a sport coat. We're meeting Richard Sherman. (laughs) And uh, we went up to Walt's office and it looks exactly how he left it uh, back, you know, back in the day. There's the exact same piano right there in his office, just like it's always been. And Richard Sherman comes in and just he's playing Spoonful of Sugar and he's just he's going to town like and and then when he starts playing Feed the Birds and and just, oh, my gosh. And then to have it for this, I mean, in those eight months that we were you know, fantasizing, we didn't know we could dream that big. So that was a, that was just in one of the best days of my life, quite frankly. It was amazing. Oh, it,
2: it was amazing. And you couldn't tear Richard off the piano. I mean, he just wanted to keep playing at 94. And, and and my memory of that day too, is when he walked into Walt's office, you know, there's probably about 20 people there, the film crew, production people, every, I saw all the people. And he like such a gentleman, he went and like shook everybody's hand. And he's like, Hello, I'm Richard Sherman, and, like had to introduce himself and I was like what a he was such a sweet guy and and then we got to show him the final short for his 95th birthday um, which was
1: so special uh,
3: a year uh, later
1: (laughs) okay we're gonna try even more when we watch that scene again (laughs) thank you very much
2: (laughs) (laughs) no and that scene like uh you know I I just I know I mentioned Eric Goldberg earlier but he you know right away was like I need to animate those scenes and uh -hmm. and Eric came in and just like I, I just think it's so beautiful what he did. The acting is just so incredible with uh Eric's Mickey animation. Nice. Yeah, uh, it's nice. um there's
3: a there's a couple extras on Disney Plus, if you haven't seen them, that yeah. are with yeah, so there's a Richard Sherman uh bit on there.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: We yeah. were we were lucky enough. You showed us the Richard Sherman one at Destination D twenty three, and we were already taken aback by it. Uh, that's then it right, came out right. Disney Disney Plus, and it was like Oh, where's the Richard Sherman thing? And we're like, oh no, it's not there, but eventually you guys put it up or Disney put it's, it up. It's, and-
2: a, it's up there now. It's in the
0: extras. Yeah.
3: That was so pretty speak- mind blowing, wasn't it? To twenty yeah. oh, three to like oh my it, it adds a layer. It adds a layer.
1: Yes, totally. Um, so I know for a fact that you too, because you've you've posted it, that you've each actually all hands in, as you said, you were doing animation for this feature and cleanup. What was it like, and, and like, how is that dynamic that you decide what what work you're going to actually put into it, as well as obviously creating and directing, et cetera?
2: You know, well, it's one of the fun parts about shorts. Dan and I have worked on a bunch of shorts now, and it's kind of like a little different than our features. That it's sometimes all hands on deck, and and you can jump around departments a little bit. And I, you know, I am I was a CG animator at Disney for um, I guess eight or nine years, and I did 2D before not at a disney level by any means but i did some 2d and i've kept it up here a little bit and um me volunteering to animate was basically so that we don't cut characters i mean we were gonna lose (laughs) characters and i was like no 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 i'll do the penguin like i can jump in and do that or (laughs) or or i'll do ichabod you know and it was it was really just like jumping in as as we kind of like got through the story stuff and we're going into production saying how can we help? And we just wanted Dan and I wanted to spend our days, nights, weekends working on this. Thing. We
3: did. It, this was the first job I've ever had in my life where we're like on Fridays, we'd be like, oh, man, we have to go home for two days. <laughs> like we were we were kids. Hey, Dan, a... Dan, well, hang on. Dan would text me on Sundays and be like, I can't wait for
2: tomorrow. I'm like, nobody, <laughs> nobody that excited yeah. for Monday. Come on.
3: But we were kids in candy stores like we get we storyboarded the whole thing ourselves. And then to get to write it, and then Trent doing hand-drawn animation. I got to jump in and do cleanup animation, final line, which I haven't done in 20 years. But I was, you know, they brought an animation table into my into my office, and and man, flipping the paper and getting to draw Ichabod Crane while I'm listening to Bing Crosby <laughs> sing about Ichabod Crane, and I just I was in heaven. I got to do scratch recording for all the character, all the male characters throughout, and and. Man that's fun just trying to do your best Merlin and then your best Mickey and then your best like it uh it we just we couldn't get enough we we just wanted to go on and on and on so it it um what what a joy what a joy and the the crew was uh just so invested and so excited and and uh it was it was you know inspiring and it just fueled us you know to to want it to make the best it could be obviously yeah, to
2: watch our 2D pipeline here, you know, work and and have 2D effects and the whole team—some people hadn't done it for a while, some people had, had, you know, switched over to CG and came back to 2D and hadn't done it in a while. Some people, like Michael Woodside or Jorge Ruiz, were doing like 2D at Disney for the first time. So it was it was a lot of just really passionate people wanting to to get their hands on the short, and and we felt the same way. So we couldn't sit there and watch. We're like, let us let us come play too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So Dan, I I know that you kept a journal of this mm. journey that you all went, and so that that's got to be something. Um, one, he's, oh, he's, he's actually he's read showing it for, us the he, journal right now. He's uh, gonna
2: read it. He's gonna read it for you right now. It's uh, it, this is a six hour podcast, right? Uh...
1: <laughs> Maybe that could be part of the, your trilogy yeah, that's, of that's the, the director's cut. There, dude. oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> Oh, that would be good. But yeah, that must be something to reflect and go back and look at and see. What, what comes to mind as some of the most memorable days in that that you've captured?
3: Oh, my gosh. Um, the, you, the support of the studio, the ongoing support of an enthusiasm, the unbridled enthusiasm about what we were doing. It was infectious and it and it again it fueled us to to just keep going and, and everyone was like, You're this is this is a this is so special. People kept telling us just how special it was, and so it's okay, okay. We I get you know, because when you're in it, it a lot of times you're so close to it, you don't you, you need fresh eyes and all that stuff. But, I mean, recording so many of those, you know, our heroes, Paige O'Hara and Richard White and 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 my God, so, Timon, uh, Nathan Lane as Timon and, and Jeremy Irons as Scar and uh, Tom Hulse as Quasimodo, like uh, Judy Kuhn, Pocahontas to get her to sing and to hear like it was, uh, you know, what a joy. And each one of them would come in. For like one line, you know, bring in Mandy Moore. She comes in for one line, everybody. And uh, uh, nine times out of 10, they all had a story. Or they had so many memories about when they recorded that character for their film. And what that has meant to their life. And how like like Richard White, the voice of Gaston said, you know, he goes, that is the, being Gaston has been the ultimate gift for him in his life, he has then gone on to children's hospitals and he does the voices for kids. And, you know, we sort of think of these characters as gifts for us. And here all of these people were talking about what a gift it was for them. And it's just like to, to hear and they knew the animators that animated their character and they knew like little special little details about, you know, the process of what that that character went through and different things. And it was just so cool to see how passionate and excited they were about their part in the, the whole Disney canon, you know?
2: And uh, and by the way, too, Dan, uh, I knew Dan was keeping a journal, so I didn't have to. You know, he was doing all the writing. Uh, but, uh, but Dan, once in a while, reads me uh, little pages. Uh, he might do this today. And, uh, you know, uh, one that stands out to me just a couple months ago now was Dan just came to me and he's like, we recorded Bernie. I know we haven't talked about Bernie yet, but we recorded Bernie Manson a year ago today. And those little memories, I mean, uh, yeah. were just astonishing. That day of shooting with, with Bernie was just a very special day.
3: Yeah, for sure. Well, for let's, sure. Let's, that... go, let's ahead. go
0: ahead and talk about Bernie a little bit here. I mean, you know, the fact that you got him in there, not only got him in... Uh, but leading it off, and I, I think that in, I, I i was a, an emotional wreck at Destination <laughs> D23 after seeing the show, so forgive me. But I think that you mentioned that he was there, obviously, 70 years uh, with the Walt Disney Company, and then with him uh, was an intern. So you were kind of looking at it as, you know, the, the oldest member and maybe one of the newest members of kind of the entire lifespan of Disney animation in that one little scene there, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, from the the very first, you know, when I storyboard, I start with frame one. And then I just go forward. Um, there's some story artists that like they can see a specific moment in their head. So they'll jump to that and then they'll fill in the other parts around it and stuff. But I have to st- start with frame one, drawing one. And my very, very first drawing is Bernie Mattinson is walking out of the animation studio with a young intern. Uh, and this was Months and months and months before we had asked Bernie if he wanted to do it. If he like he had no idea any of that stuff. So, um, but Bernie had to be in it. Working at the studio for just shy of seventy years, his first movie was Lady and the Tramp. His last movie was Strange World, which just came out last year, and to, director of Mickey's Christmas Carol. He he did he did everything, and um, a, a sweetheart of a guy. So we definitely wanted like sort of the old guard. Uh, and the new, you know, we're, we keep moving forward and, and um, uh, it's all about the people and the artists. And we were in an effort to pay tribute to the hundreds and hundreds of people that have worked at the studio. We thought, you know, Bernie and then an intern seemed to sort of make the most sense.
2: Yeah. And in those boards, you know, Dan actually drew him in like that outfit that you see. Like They were so detailed. We're like, gosh, uh, we hope he says yes. And, and he did. Uh, but but and we always talk about Bernie because he is the connection with he met Walt. He worked with Walt. Uh, you know, he he's a connection to the nine old men and and worked on films like Sleeping Beauty and Lady and the Tramp. So it's it's pretty amazing that that deep dive. And um, there's a great behind the Behind the scenes piece on Disney Plus now too, the one you saw at D23 is up there now too.
3: And yeah, I mean Bernie, you know, he was here. He was working. He w- he had his office. Like he was 86 years old, and his office was just down the hall here from mine. So um we did lose him this past February, but when we recorded uh him in September, um yeah, we th- we thought we were we were so excited about Premiere of this short and about just rolling out that red carpet for him and just treating him like the superstar that he is. Um, and I'm I'm sad that that never got to happen. But, man, it's cool that everybody seems to know who he is now is that is so cool.
0: Definitely. Disney yeah. legend. Uh, he's the, He's the man. And uh, so glad you got to play it. And by the way, you guys made a little, little cameo in the uh, short right there before that, kind of opening the door for him or holding the door for them. So if you want to look yep. for Dan and Trent right there at the beginning of that short, you'll see them just kind of walking out. Not really looking at the camera, but they're just kind of there. Um, yeah, and- well, we're, we're leaving
3: for the day like everybody else. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Not, well, excited to actor. get back to work on the next day, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Totally not an actor. I ruined one of Bernie's perfect takes by staring at the camera as I held the door. for him. So I, I had to apologize. And Bernie, like a true champ, did it one more time for us. Funny.
0: So you, know, you did all this work. You put all this together. It's amazing. I know you showcased it once before we got to see it at Destination D23. But I think that was probably your first time really putting it in front of like, what, or maybe some of the biggest Disney fans you'll find out there. It had to be, you had to be a little nervous, uh, I would imagine, putting that out there then. But the response you got, uh, extended standing ovation. Um, tell, how did that feel for you guys?
2: Oh, it was so good to be out there for that. We were so happy to get invited and to go there. And and there were nerves backstage, of course, because you because you spend two years working on these things, just thinking like when you're in the story room or in Anim dailies gosh, uh, I hope people watching this enjoyed as much as we had making it, right? That's that's like as, as filmmakers, you just, if they have half the fun we had, then we did our job, but there's always that that little bit of nerves that's like, what and, if they
3: do laugh. And I gotta say, with this particular short, like, we're diving into hundreds and hundreds of characters, and as Disney fans, they have ownership of these characters. They mean something, they're family to people. People have tattoos of them on their body, like they're and if we misrepresent their friends and family, basically, we're gonna hear about it, right? And so our goal was to do it right and make the characters look and sound exactly how you remember them. That was the goal and and we you know we have such um um love in our hearts for for the characters and and the people that created them that we're like, well, hopefully this shines through and but then it's like, well, somebody in their mind, they might think, well, so and so isn't that blue or whatever, you <laughs> right. know, who knows what it is. But we tried to we tried to, you know, uh, do our very, very best to reintroduce the fans and to their friends and family, because right. that's, right. you know, so. And, that's, take... uh,
2: and, and, and when when people connect with that, it it for us, I think it makes us think of our team because. We had, like, it it goes down to, like like Dan said, it could just be a color palette thing. And we had the team working on, like, finding the archive stuff of the perfect colors, the line quality, the cleanup, whether it's, like, the 60s kind of scritchy, scratchy uh, cleanup line or or the kind of, like, beautiful Sleeping Beauty or the Aladdin Thick and Thins. Our team here was so dedicated to making sure that every choice uh, made it feel like those characters jumped out of those uh, movies from that time.
1: Uh, time frame very cool well we know we're getting kind of at the end of the time of your availability um but i do have one more question that i i know there's a lot of easter eggs throughout the the short that are amazing what was one of the most um memorable to you or, or just connected you personally with the film
2: oh Well, okay, I'll throw out there really quickly first. There's I mean, there's there's literally hundreds of Easter eggs and stories behind every shot. Um, One that I haven't seen the Internet pick out yet uh, is um, the shot of the Dalmatians uh, looking at the uh, looking at Chernabog from Night on Bald Mountain. Um, There's there's shelves around the TV and on the shelves. There's a couple Easter eggs there. And we have the Disney archives team bring over the snow globe uh from mary poppins the original snow globe and bring it over you know with gloves and a special box nobody could touch it and uh and that was just like i know we had the penguin from from mary poppins but it was really fun to have uh that original snow globe so that's sitting on the shelf uh to the right of the tv
1: definitely have to watch i'm gonna have to look for that next so many things
0: i I can't wait i i watched it so many times and i can't wait to watch it again um Guys, we could talk to you forever about this short. I mean, it yeah, really, we need to bring you back. Sometime. We <laughs> love it so much. Ever since we saw it, we were afraid we were talking it up too much before people actually got to see it. We loved it. It was great, right? You know, it was great. I think, you know, there's one thing about there in the community, you know, in, in the planet in general, but especially in the Disney community, there's, you know, some people love things. Some people don't love things, you know. This was the one thing that I think really united the Disney community. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved this short. And it's a testament to you two for putting it all together, doing such a great job and such great work. So from all of us, all us Disney fans, thank you. Yes. Thank you for putting this together. It was brilliant, wonderful, beautiful. Thank you so much.
3: That means and so much. Yeah, you, you really don't know how much that means to us. I mean, that, that, that's everything. Thank you very, very much.
0: well you know i really appreciate you coming on the show we both do for you coming on the show and and talking with us and i think that there's you know i mean you did once upon a snowman You now have done once upon a studio i think we need to wrap up this trilogy with maybe once upon an oscars possibly that's what (laughs) i want to (laughs) see
2: Yeah, maybe some Once Upon tattoos on her back, too. I think I
0: like like it, guys. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, yeah, we really
1: we one we appreciate the work that you did. It it is an amazing masterpiece that you put together. That um, is such an honorable way to pay homage to the rich history of the studio, to the 100th anniversary. Um, And from a personal perspective, we couldn't be more thrilled that you all joined us um we're fangirls and we're just re- yeah, we're really <laughs> appreciative of your time and sharing these wonderful stories with us
3: uh, anytime anytime with the that the, the making this thing story after story after story i mean we've just we've just begun to touch on uh, okay of this things, could so. be
1: our first trilogy right we'll just <laughs> <laughs> ah, <there you> go. <laughs> episode one <laughs> of this trilogy <laughs>
2: No, it's yeah, our you, pleasure. you have a great podcast, you. and you're both lovely to talk to. Thank oh, you, so. Tom. Thank
1: you. thank you. No, thank you. It's our you pleasure. You're uh, thank Appreciate you. that. Thank that you. means a lot to us, I'm
0: sure. Thanks again, Dan Abraham, Trent Corey, the co creators, the co directors of Once Upon a Studio. Thank you again for being on the Hyperion Adventures podcast.
3: Thank you, guys. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you again. So many thanks to Dan Abraham and to Trent Corey, uh, the co-creators, the co-directors of Once Upon a Studio for joining us on the shows. What an amazing couple of guys who obviously really love Disney and just had such a blast making that short. Yeah, you could hear
1: in their voice and their description, their passion and their love of the project of Disney. And so happy for them, so happy that they had that opportunity to create that together. And they do seem like wonderful people who have a great working um, relationship and being able to, as they told some of their stories there, work through things together and so happy for them.
0: They're so talented, but they're also just, like I said, they're just so genuine and interesting and um, just great guys. I mean, that really came across to us. I'm sure you heard it in the interview but how just warm and nice and and fun and how much they love this project and how much they love making it it just felt like how they were giddy about it right. like i think we would be if we could do something you know like this not that we could ever think about creating something like this right. but it was it was pretty impressive you know yeah
1: and you know i would have loved to gone on talking about it more and more with them Um, they definitely have an open door if they ever want to come back on our podcast. Uh, we can talk about any Disney thing with them, I think, and and they would make it so fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, just like I said, great couple of guys. Um, uh, that was just a, just a wonderful experience. Just a wonderful experience. Hoping for nothing but great things (laughs) for them in the future. And I, I expect that they have a great future with the Disney company (laughs) ahead for them. Rising stars is what I'll call them. Yes. Rising stars. Um, great guys and uh, very excited to see what they'll be working on next. Right.
1: Yeah. They're, they're, they're already stars, but I get, like you're saying, I think there's going to be even more great things coming from both of them because they are so talented
0: so. For, for sure. Also, uh, if you want to, you should really give them a follow on Instagram. I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm, you know, they would have a problem with me sharing their Instagram accounts on here because they do a lot of behind the scenes yes. stuff from once upon a studio uh, there that's really fascinating. Uh Dan is at Sharktooth72 and Trent is at Trent Animation uh, all, all one word on Instagram. Again, they're sharing a lot of great behind-the-scenes stuff. People, uh some of the animators, some right. of the voiceover work, some of the early uh you know, storyboards for the the short. It's it's really cool. I, I hope at some point they kind of put this all together. I, I would love to see a a, a making of once Upon a Studio at some point, yeah. like full-fledged. Right, up, right. You
1: know. Or even a book. Mm-hmm. Ooh, You know how I love those coffee table books. I but. know you do. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they are definitely a great follow. And they, as Tom said, they do give some really interesting behind the scenes. And the more you learn about this film, the more you appreciate what it took, what it involved, and everybody's love for it. So you can just really appreciate it more and more.
0: uh, Just so good. So good. So I'm sure after this interview, you'll rewatch it out there and you'll see it maybe under a different light or at least get some aspects of it that will be like, wow, I didn't even notice that to begin with. Right, right. Thanks to those guys. Yeah.
1: And a a shout out and and thanks to, uh, to the people who helped get this and coordinate this for us um they really shed a ton of pixie dust on us and we definitely appreciate that yeah
0: some people within disney really helped us come on, kind of work with right. trent and with dan to make sure we could make this happen and uh we we're eternally grateful yes uh, for them uh putting this together and helping this happen uh, because it was an amazing amazing discussion yeah. with, with great dan, experience for sure for sure All right, we got to get past that. But before we get to the Disney stories of the week, we got to talk about our great friend Nate with Main Street and more travel, because let's face it, we all have trips we're thinking about taking in the very near future. Well, if you do, whether it be to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, or anywhere in the world beyond, let me tell you. Nate is the certified Disney vacation planner that you are going to want to get in contact with.
1: Oh my gosh, for sure. You know, as we, you know, mention all the time, he really has firsthand knowledge of things so he can really help you plan, customize a a trip that is going to be the best for you, answer your questions. It's really concierge level planning that doesn't cost you anything.
0: High end. It is high end stuff that he will help you out with answer all your questions. He is there for you to make sure your trip, wherever it may be, be the best it possibly can be. And as Michelle mentioned, no extra cost to you. That's because either Disney or whatever other travel branch that he works through pays him for you. What you end up paying Is exactly what you pay if you did all that work yourself. Only you can save that time and just relax and enjoy and let him set it all up for you.
1: Right. And you know what? He may even be able to save you some money from you doing it alone because he is on top of all the deals and steals that are out there.
0: Yeah. And there's never a guarantee, but let me tell you if there's a discount out there, Nate will find it for you. So, what you got to do is go to dischipsandmore.com, fill out the form there and just contact him, talk to him, tell him what you want to do and let him get to work for you.
1: Right. So as Tom mentioned, once you fill out that form, Nate will be back in touch with you to start
0: that planning, but be sure to tell him that Tom and Michelle sent you. Yep. Again, that's Nate with Main Street and more travel. All right, let's go ahead and get to the Disney stories of the week. I have a few for you. We're going to run through these quickly because this has been a long episode. We'll start with we learned about the fantastic late night ticketed events that are coming to disneyland in 2024 i got all this information from the disney parks blog by the way Uh, i'm just going to run through them because there are some great stuff we can kind of comment on them as we go through uh these are all happening at disneyland park by the way right now they don't have any of these late night ticketed events scheduled for disney california adventure park right so these are all at disneyland park uh, we'll start with Disneyland After Dark, Sweetheart's Night. <gasps> which we love that. Which we love. We've been to one of the, uh, maybe it was the first ever one Might we went been. to. I think so. Um, the first ever one in our time. I don't know if they did one back in like Walt's time or yeah, whatever. No, but the yeah. first ever one, I mean, they had date night at Disneyland back in Walt's time. But um, the, the we enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it as well. And that's why there's eight dates for it yes. coming up uh, this year all in late January and early to mid-February time. Uh, New this year, very exciting for a lot of people, Disneyland After Dark Disney Channel Night is coming for two dates in early March.
1: Do you know they're going to have a Phineas and Ferb hosted dance party? Yeah, how fun will that be? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of things that they're going to be doing there, but... That, that one, I was like,
0: oh my gosh, that will be so fun. I got to think there's going to be a little piece, because remember when we did 90s night mm-hmm. and there was so much Disney Channel right. stuff that was kind of tied in with that, right? including like some of the songs that were played with the fireworks. Right. I got to think that a little piece of that is going to kind of go into what they're going to have experience for that night as well. It's going to kind of have a similar vibe in that uh, regard. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, they're going to have a pep rally with the high school musical theme. Uh, yeah. um, they're also going to be having on um, the Riverboat, Rivers of America, I should say, um, a cruise with songs from Descendants. Oh, okay. So yeah.
0: it's more modern Disney Channel. Well, it's
1: a little bit about... See, of I both. was thinking
0: of more going back into right. like the 90s, like the, the, the peak... Disney Channel yes. time. Yeah, yeah.
1: no, because they're also including some of their movies. So like that's what gotcha. like I said, High School Musical gotcha. and Descendants. and ah. you know. But at these events, they also have characters that you hardly ever, if ever, see at the parks that have to do with the theming. And then obviously the photo ops are just
0: crazy ah. good. See, I should have read more into the story besides just getting the dates because... Uh, I was thinking this was going to go back more into the history of Disney Channel, more yeah. focus on like when it was really big in the '90s. Right, you know?
1: right. Yeah, so it's a, it, it kind of spans because cool. they want to have some nostalgia cool. yeah. because of having some of those things. But yeah, I
0: mean, we did. We when we did the Oogie Boogie Bash, we saw the Descend Dance Party right, there true. for that. So and that was really fun. Yes. So I could see where that would play really well within this. And, right. Yeah. Uh, also, another one that we've got—we're lucky enough to attend. Disneyland After Dark Star Wars mm-hmm. Night is returning to the park for eight nights in late April and early May. That'll be a lot of fun as well. Yeah.
1: Oh, those are great. And and they're having it the same time frame where the season of The Force mm-hmm. is going on as well. So there'll be a lot of great things, especially, I think, new foods to try, etc. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what was new this last year and was very, very popular and looked like it was a ton of fun. And I was really jealous. and wishing we could have gone and I'm going to be really jealous and wishing we can go this time because Disneyland after dark pride night is returning for two dates in June as well. I think that one's that one in the Disney channel uh, night, especially since there are only two dates for each one. I think those are going to go very, very right. quickly. Like, right. If you want yeah. your spot, you better get in there early, early on. For
1: sure, and um, I was I was surprised, I, but I've forgotten that the Pride Night had their first ever was yeah, it was just it was this last, last year, year yeah. or this year, yeah, this year, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. this year. So, um, I, I think one thing to be uh, aware of is actually booking for these the ones that are from January through March. Um, so that would be Sweetheart Night uh, and Disney Channel Night. Those the bookings. Is starting uh, next week, so December twelfth for people who are magic key holders, and December fourteenth for the general public.
0: Yeah, so I think the Sweethearts night because there are eight nights. I mean, it'll be very popular, but you may be able to not necessarily need to be there right Right. first thing, unless you you definitely want a specific date. Always good to be there first thing if you can be, but. You might be able to think about it a little bit, but I have a feeling that Disney Channel Night's going to go pretty quickly. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you may want to jump on that for sure. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, all those, I would love to go to all of those. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they're not when we're there I coming know. up here in January. But
1: we'll be doing fun things. While we're <laughs> we have out a there. ton of
0: stuff, fun stuff planned uh, for our January Disneyland in Southern California trip mm-hmm. for sure. All which we'll be telling you about. Uh, speaking of Disneyland, we also learned when many of the seasonal events will be happening in 2024 at the happiest place on Earth. Michelle already mentioned one, but I'll go through them all again. These were all off from the Disney Parks blog. Here's the schedule. Lunar New Year at Disney California Adventure Park will be happening from January 23rd to February 18th. Always a fun time yeah. of year there. Mm-hmm. Celebrate Gospel Disneyland will be going for one week from February 17th through the 24th. Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival will be from March 1st to April 22nd this year. That's always very oh, popular and we love that. Yes. Yeah.
1: They, uh, the the food that they offer there is always great. They're always adding new things. Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, it's always interesting. And a that's a, a lot of times, and I don't, they, they haven't said anything. I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but that's usually the time of year where Soarin' around the world <laughs> be, once again becomes the best version of Soren. <laughs> Soarin' over California. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but it has happened the last couple. And I wouldn't surprise me if they do that again, for sure. Uh, Meanwhile, Michelle already mentioned it. Season of the Force is returning to the Disneyland Resort. That'll be April 5th through June 2nd of 2024. Pixar Fest is back. Pixar Fest is coming back from April 26th through August 4th. That's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Finally, we move into Halloween time, which will be August 26th, because obviously Halloween is in August. <laughs> Halloween time, August 26th to October 31st. That makes sense. It ends on actually Halloween. Yes, yes for sure. Uh, the Plaza de la Familia, a celebration of cocoa, will run August 23rd through Dia de los Muertos, so November 2nd. Right.
1: Yep. And that's always spectacular. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about that a lot.
0: Yep. It's kind of a, and it's, it's cool that it runs kind of in that time uh, right around Halloween as right. well. Yeah. yeah. So it's all part of the Halloween time uh, while you're there. And the holidays at the Disneyland Resort will begin on November 15th, officially, officially right. uh, at the Disneyland Resort. So lots of cool stuff look forward to at the happiest place on earth in 2024.
1: Yeah. And it's great that they've given the dates already. So people can start planning. That is rare. I know. It's awesome. Because then if you really want to go to one of those things, whether you're local or not, you can actually start planning for it. Mm -hmm. So that's great. For sure.
0: Uh, Finally, if you've dreamed of living at Disney, we have more good news for you. We learned where the next planned Disney community will be building soon. This actually came from people. Com. Those looking to live the Disney lifestyle year round can join a new residential community dreamed up by the company, but it's not next door to the theme parks. No, Story Living by Disney announced its latest development on Wednesday. The first Story Living development, of course, was in California. Right. They're building it right now. Um, but the second, dubbed Asteria, will be located in North Carolina, I know, it's so cool. Yeah, near Raleigh-Durham and Chapel Hill. It's in the beginning stages of planning with the Walt Disney Imagineering and uh, with and DMB development, according to the press release Disney had put out. The release also states that Asteria is, inspired quote, inspired by the spirit of discovery, end quote, and will be, quote, designed to encourage exploration of the region's natural beauty and spark lifelong learning, end quote. So... Uh, Asteria is, a, is set to be built on a 1,500 acres in the town of Pittsboro in Chatham County, which the company says will offer residents metropolitan amenities with a small town feel, plus plenty of parks and miles of trails for walking and biking. Uh, the development will be part of a larger community called Chatham Park. Uh, sales for the homes in the community are expected to begin in 2027. So yeah, that's exciting. It's a beautiful yeah. part of the country, right? So that's absolutely. Awesome. I think that's a great area to build yeah. on. You know, I mean, now we're going to have one on the West Coast, right? And the second community, kind of here on the East Coast, for people who want to, you know, stay. If you're if you known the East Coast right. or if you ever wanted to go to the East Coast, um, you kind of have that area. And yeah, um, North Carolina. It's a great area. Yeah, for sure. So that's exciting. Yeah. Very cool. We have to look into that. I don't know if I want to move farther away from Walt Disney World. No, I don't. Living in a Disney community. Maybe we just get a home there. Just a second home. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Not likely. But we'll see. (laughs) One could dream. Quickly, I just want to hit this. Uh, If you enjoyed the Pixar animated films that debuted on Disney Plus during the pandemic, but wish you could have seen them on the big screen, well... Disney and Pixar announced this week that Soul, Luca, and Turning Red will all be re-released in the theaters in 2024. So you will have that opportunity, if you so desire, to finally see those films on the big screen.
1: Right. That is so awesome. I'm happy to hear that.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, I loved every one of those films, all three of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, the different levels, but I loved them all. Uh, But yeah, I mean, there's something about seeing a movie like that on the big screen. I love being able to watch it at home. I love the convenience of streaming. I love Disney Plus. But, you know, seeing a movie in the theater, there's something special about that. Yeah. I think we may see maybe all of them. Definitely a couple of them in theaters for sure. Looking forward to it. That's fun. So. That's it for the Disney Stories of the Week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's awesome, (laughs) wonderful, all things great in the world. You know she has the best list. You heard it. She has the best questions for our guests. She also has the very best tip. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip of the week.
1: All right. Well, you're so generous with that. I got to make this sound a little better, I think. But anyways, if you're an annual pass holder for Walt Disney World uh, and you maybe you don't have the pass that is open for every single day, but you want to go on a day that you have to buy a, a single day ticket. Well, I want you to know that your annual pass uh, parking still covers you during that time. So let's say for example, you're blocked off during the weeks around the holidays, but you're gonna go for one of those days and you get a, a single day uh, pass, your annual pass will still allow you to have free parking at the at the park. So take advantage of that. You also get, obviously get your discounts for purchases and dining, et cetera. But, but you don't have to just use your annual pass parking um, availability only when you're using your annual pass.
0: That's good to know. And that's, that's good for any day. Like even if you're just going out there to, let's say hotel hop or whatever, right, and you want right. to tar- pocket, park a ticket and transportation and kind of go around and check right. out some of the various different resorts around uh, the monorail hub or right. whatever it might be. Um, exactly. Yeah, you can, it, it's really important. It's good to know. And. Yes, you do not have to pay that extra to park. So right. Michelle's tip, always the best tip. <laughs> My tip this week is very simple. Look, you heard the passion, you heard the love that Dan and Trent had for their for for their project, for all both of their pro- for all their projects. Uh, let me tell you, and you heard about them discussing that with all the many people that worked on this because it was not just them. It was so many animators, so many different voice over talents, right? So many different people had a part in this. I'm just going to tell you right now, one watch once upon a studio again. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it because it's amazing. Yeah, if you
1: haven't seen it at least 10 times, you haven't seen it enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> go watch it at again.
0: Least. Um, But watch and support all these wonderful, amazing animated films because all, well, you heard it. All these animators, all these creators, all these people that put their time and effort into these films love them. Yeah. They, they love them dearly and they put their heart into them and it comes across in many of those films. So watch them in the theater. Watch them on Disney+. Plus. Stick around for the credits and watch the names because those are all the people that put their heart, soul, right. blood, set, sweat, and tears into these different films that we love so much. Um, and thank you to all of them for doing this for us for a hundred years yeah. now um, that we've had all this wonderful content that they've created for us. Um, these are all beautiful pieces of art, and I hope we get to experience more of them in the theaters especially. Right, right. Um, but also, yes, of course, on Disney Plus as well. And yeah. other In other venues, ABC, wherever they may be showing
1: them. Yeah, and, and hopefully when you're watching any of these animated films that you realize that there is so much that goes into Mm -hmm. making them. And like Tom said, people are doing that with their, their passion for it. I
0: know, I I know Marvel has gotten us trained to stick through the credits to in (laughs) case there might be one of those, you know mid-credit or post-credit scenes but really for all these films you should stick through the credits once in a while because those names that go across there they're all very proud to have their names on these films and they've all done their part to make these wonderful films that we love so much so they you know love giving them the respect they deserve deserve for sure for sure that's it for this week's show. Next week, we're heading to Epcot to check out the newly opened World Celebration area and sample some of the food and fun at Festival of the Holidays. We're doing that probably right now as this episode drops. Right. Um, but we'll be telling you all about it: what we experienced, what we thought about the new World Celebration right. area, uh, Dreamers Point, of course, the food, the fun, the, the wonderful storytellers uh, throughout the Festival of the Holidays, and we'll just uh, you know kind of share what our experience was. Yeah tell you about our cookie stroll adventure cookie stroll how many cookies did we actually finish (laughs) off it'll be many it'll be be many 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 cookies for sure as for today's show we appreciate that you join us today in the future you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts however the very best place to find us is on our own website podcast.com Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter X. at Hyperion Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we're on YouTube if you want to find us there. And by the way, this interview may be dropping on YouTube sometime later this week. We've got the okay to put it up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, we're Once I do some little trimming of it and prettying it up mostly putting me up because Michelle's pretty and Dan and Trent are very handsome. Men. Yes. <laughs> uh, we will be dropping that on YouTube that there we're at Hyperion adventures podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, hyperion adventures podcast at
1: gmail.com. Yeah. Feel free to contact us with any questions or if you have any, any topics you'd like us to cover. And if you like this podcast, We'd really appreciate it if you tell a friend or family member about it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the best way to get people to know about this show exactly. is just word of mouth. Word of mouth for shoe. For shoes. Sure. For shoes. And for sure. I think we got to
1: call us Let's a wrap. wrap it
0: up. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some shoes and some time <laughs> with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.